Good evening, Fabrizia. Good evening. What's up with you? Um, it's been a good day, and um, I have been. Um, I have all sorts of new exciting things going on, so I'm happy. Great. I, I'm one of those people that needs new things to keep myself focused and and working. I I get I get bored fairly easily. I turn a lot of my work into games and things like that. So, um, you know, I find a way to keep myself on task, which is a little bit of what we might be talking about today. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, uh, it takes effort to, to reach results, to get results, to close the gap. There's no denying that there, there are no shortcuts, there are no miracles, and it's uh, you need to, to, to do the work and sometimes it's hard, it can be boring, like doing push-ups. Right? <laughs> it takes effort and it's boring. Uh, I don't do a lot of push-ups, not because it's too hard to do, but it, because it's too boring. <laughs> That's why I don't exercise as much as I should, because I get bored easily. I should yeah. find, a, yeah, maybe playing tennis would be, I would do it more, do more exercise if I play tennis instead of doing push-ups and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, there's no denying that uh, you need to do the work, you need to do it, and you need to do it properly. And you need to do what is called deliberate practice. And I was doing some uh, uh, investigation about where, where does this term come from. So deliberate practice uh, is, is a term that was coined by a group of people, especially um, a, a scientist, uh, I think is a cognitive psychologist, or I don't exactly know, um, Anders Ericsson, that's his name. He wrote a book about this. And then uh, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book Outliers, um, quoted Anderson and came up with this idea of the 10,000 hours. Uh, in anything that you, you want to do, if you want to become, uh, in, in, to be successful, you need to have practice for 10,000 hours. You need to spend 10,000 10, hours of practice before you get good. That's what he says. Yeah, he says to become an expert, uh, you need 10,000 hours. Which has come under some critique or attack from backlash in several fronts. Um, sometimes it was because of a misunderstanding, because what Gladwell said was that you don't just need 10,000 hours of mindlessly, as you said, doing the same thing. You need 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. But people tend to forget what it actually means to deliberately practice. And we want today to, I mean, we don't want to do a scientific treatise on what it means to do, but we want to give you some, some pointers, some ideas, some suggestions of how you can do that in, in your own day-to-day uh, -day, uh, work. Yeah, and I just had a, a vision of an example of this since we, because I'm, you know, thinking about food, I think about food a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, we all have spent 10,000 hours eating, right? Mm -hmm. But if somebody has spent 10,000 hours researching special foods from different regions. Let's talk about Italy, for instance, and you've gone to places to eat special things and find out about how they're made and then different chefs doing different things and you have spent 
a long time because you love food to actually go and 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 learn about all the different foods at the end of it you're an expert i mean you're an expert on some of this stuff if you just eat and you go to the supermarket and buy frozen pizzas and burgers all the time or you just sort of eat whatever and you don't care you may have spent the same exact amount of time eating as anybody else your age but you know nothing about it because you're mindlessly eating you're not researching and you're not you know deliberately looking for something special that you want to learn about about something as simple as food whether you learn to cook it or whether you go out to a restaurant to eat it does it make sense because that was to me a good comparison we all do in different ways i think it does there i was reading the other day about uh, can't remember where but you're talking about food made me think of that about people who are studying to make sushi uh, at some uh, restaurants of this amazing Japanese chef who does the, the best sushi in the world. Uh, I need to dig that up and I'll, I will put a link in the show notes if I can find a reference. But I mean, people go there and for months or years, they just do nothing but cook rice in the proper way. Wow. Right, And then after six months, you can boil eggs. <laughs> okay that's a bit extreme but uh, to give an idea of the the kind of things that you need to to become really good at doing something and something as uh, special as sushi absolutely yeah and w- one of the things that uh, make up that characterize and distinguish deliberate practice from just general practice is that in order to practice, you need to be motivated to do it, right? There's some uh, scientific literature even about this, about the, the need for motivation. And I was thinking about this, and I say, of course, it's obvious. In order to do anything, and in order to do anything for 10,000 hours, you need some strong motivation. You say, okay, I want to become a great photographer, and I want to become a great portrait photographer. And so I need to take portraits of people for 10,000 hours. But then I realized that that only goes so far, right? Starting motivation is one thing, but it will not, I mean, unless you're really, really focused on it and you're really determined and you're just single-minded on doing this, it's really hard to keep that level of motivation that you might have at the start up when you're just slogging and just maybe be your doing an assistant to a great photographer, a great portrait photographer, and all you're doing is doing what your mentor says, and it takes 10,000 hours before you make your first great portrait. Uh, So it's really hard to keep the motivation up. And then I realized, and again, this is probably reminding me of something I read, that you don't practice, you don't exercise continuously because you have motivation, but you gain motivation by constant exercise. You get motivation to do better every time because you see results and these results will motivate you to do even better. That's a, that's a kind of turning the, the thing upside down and sad. I, t- I call that a encouragement. It's, uh, I think motivation is an inner kind of drive that we have to get started. It's like the, the first spark 
you know, when you do, do you know when you have an engine that you need to pull a thing, mm. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, to, that's the motivation is what sets everything off at the beginning. And at the beginning, we have a vision, we have excitement, we have enthusiasm because it's something new, and we have all of that is the motivation to actually start plowing through it at the, you know, to start with, to break, to crack, crack the egg and kind of get out there and, and, and do start doing something. And that is key. Then after that, motivation, if, you know, like you say, if you don't see results, if you don't have a system, it can, you know, some days, you know, we may want to become Hemingway, but sitting down in front of a blank page is hard. And so our motivation can work on some days and not so much on some other days. And that's when people started to say, okay, then you need the discipline of the work, which is, uh, yes, absolutely. But what I really want to what I really realized is that motivation must come first. Discipline by itself is not going to take us anywhere either. It becomes a kind of a dry and lonely road that, you know, you're kind of pulling yourself by the hair to, you know, do this thing. It's the same when you go to the gym or you do any kind of exercise. You have to pull yourself by the hair to actually get yourself out there. Then after a month, you start seeing that your tummy is going down and you get abs. And then you go like, woo, now I want to go every day. And that's your, your motivation. Was your, your, your original motivation then becomes a visible result. And then, you know, but in the meantime, you need the discipline to actually make it, you know, get there. Because motivation alone can be pro it can be procrastinated indefinitely, you know. I still have the motivation to write that book, but I haven't even started it, and I've been talking about it for two years. You know, that's what. Or I started it, and it's just been sitting there because I don't know how to continue. But basically, because I'm not doing it, I know some writers, and I, I won't mention names because I can't remember. But it's I think it was. Um, <sighs> was it John Grisham or somebody like that? But anyway, he'll just sit down every morning and work and write for four hours or for three hours, you know, regardless of what he produced was good or bad. It was about the practice. And at the end of a year, he had a book. I think it was his first book. And, you know, and he was working as a lawyer and doing other stuff. But it was the practice of sitting down and doing something every morning, every day, regardless of whether you felt like it or not, right? I was just looking at my little notes and bookmarks here. Uh, and maybe this is it's not the same thing, but it can be relevant in this context. And uh, it's from Stephen Pressfield. Um, we mentioned Stephen Pressfield and his book, The War of Art, I think in our first uh, episode. Um, let, let me write, let me read what uh, Stephen Pressfield writes this, this is from his uh, uh, The War of Art mini course, which is a, a website you can sign up and they will send you lessons. And it's a, it's a conversation between him and his publisher. And he's, he has this to say, and he says that, uh, uh, how do you keep going? How do you keep practicing? How do you keep writing pages and pages every day? And he says, um, it's, it's hard, but this is the breakthrough that turned the corner for me, he says. It's the concept of turning pro. 
And the reason, in other words, you shift when people are defeated by resistance, it's almost always because they have a kind of an amateur attitude. They have the attitude of a dabbler, of a weakened warrior, of somebody that's not really serious about it. But when they make the shift inside their head and they tell themselves, I'm a pro and I'm going to operate as a professional here, then that's that turns the corner for them. Um, and I mean, I, I don't I think that's really important here and don't don't take that turning pro literally i mean it doesn't just mean i want to be a professional and i want to be paid for what i create it's fine to be a really dedicated amateur not a pro in that sense but you need to adopt the pro attitude yeah uh, you, you cannot be a, a weekend warrior anymore if you want to to really uh, close the gap yeah i think to um to really get results and to you know get what you want out of your vision uh you can't just give it a push every now and there and expect you know the, the whole thing to move forward and get to where you want to get uh, there needs to be um a plan there needs to be a way to break it down into parts and then plan for them because you know we can't just say I want to write a book. So, okay, if I want to write a book, I'm going to, I may not have a title, but at least I'll know what it's going to be about, I hope. But then you start saying, okay, so which are the topics I'm going to write about in this book? Which are the chapters? Which, And then you start fleshing them out and then bit by bit this thing. And, and every step of this process will take some time and some planning. So then you're, you're sitting in front of the piece of paper or the computer and you're saying, well, I, I have to start a book. You, you don't start a book by writing the first page because you don't know where and you don't know where it's going. So, uh, and it's the same with photography. Now, I like to uh, make different comparisons of different kinds of artists because a, this is not just for photographers, but b, because sometimes if we relate that kind of uh, other kinds of ideas or practices um, it's easier for us to understand them and then translate them into our own way of doing photography so um, say we want to do a, a personal project in photography that needs to be a vision an idea and then I'm going to go out and shoot it in this place, in that place, in that other place, I'm gonna take this, that, and that type of photo, and then I'm going to edit them in this, that, that kind of way, and it's going to be a book or an exhibition or whatever it is that I want to do. Um, it There needs to be a plan. Otherwise, we're just going out to shoot every day and see what happens. Yes, that is some kind of practice, but it's not a deliberate planned practice to actually get to something in the end, which may turn out great, not so great, but whatever we do, we will be learning from doing it because there is a, a goal and however much we hit that goal will also teach us lessons about our strengths or weaknesses in any way. So this I, I kind of rambled on a little bit into one of the main main points of deliberate practice is to break an overall process down into parts to plan for them to and planning is a big thing for me I really I have to plan I plan everything <laughs> like to the to a T and then I, it's flexible planning too I don't necessarily um, you know get I'm, I'm not strict about my planning but 
there are ways to plan and we can talk about a few ideas about how to uh, make that happen um, that really help us also get a feel of advancing along this thing we're not just you know I'm shooting a bit shooting a bit I'm just amassing an amount of photograph photographs that I'll have to edit and there's it's all kind of a, a, a blob of of things coming together and then one day I'll have to figure out what to do with them but it's like I've done this 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 and that step I'm doing this step and the next step is you know I am moving forward and we get that feeling and that is what keeps our motivation as well and gives us the discipline to do it you know of course some days we don't feel like doing something and I'm not saying that we have to do something every single day sometimes I feel like editing sometimes I really don't feel like editing and if I don't I know that whatever I do is not going to produce a good result. It's just not a good day. We are creatives. We do also has, have to listen to what we, you know, feel like at that moment. Maybe that day I'm more inclined to write, or you know, and, and then I will do more writing and less editing. And some days I edit all day because I really get into it and I would <laughs> produce a lot. So it we do need to learn to listen to ourselves and and know ourselves when we plan and be you know uh, open to switching things around a bit but on the whole breaking something down into parts and then plowing through them steadily whether we do 10 minutes a day one hour a day 10 hours a day doesn't matter but the fact that we are constantly moving forward to be honest i'm not a big fan of setting goals and especially setting overly ambitious goals um, let, let me try to explain uh, if you say my goal is to be a national geographic photographer no no i didn't mean that. no i don't mean that goal. i mean yeah. in projects yeah. you know that are making you know to pull the practice yeah uh the, what i wanted to say is that um the objective of the practice if you if you want to be a national geographic photographer okay you don't start out in the morning with your camera in hand and say i want to take photos that will tomorrow will be published on national geographic oh yeah you start with a goal to take a, at least one well composed picture and yeah. it all starts from that somebody said that uh you don't write it was applying to writing but can apply to photography as well you don't write because you have things to say and you could say you don't photograph because you have things to show or to say with your photography you write to find the things you want to talk about which again is turning the thing on its head you think that writing is important you start writing it doesn't matter about what and you will find your voice you will find the things you want to write about naturally. And it's the same with photography. You can just start in photographing and then you will find the things you want to show. And maybe you, you figure out that in the end you didn't want to be the National Geographic photographer. You wanted to be uh, Yusuf Karsh and take portraits of famous people. <laughs> okay? You find that your goal is completely different. That's, that's, that's one thing I wanted to say, which is not... I mean, I didn't want to 
to object to what you said, but I just wanted to give my my take on it. I don't know if no, you... no, that that is yeah that that is true, and um, I'm, I'm I'm breaking things. You know, I was thinking the other way around. So you're breaking things down. You want to do photography, and you want to even you know finding out your style and the things you like mm -hmm. to do. You start photographing different things. At to really understand what, that's what happened to me anyway, to really understand what you like, what you don't like, what is best for you. And, but you, you can't do that too randomly no. in a way, you know, because one day I'll take a picture of a squirrel and it comes out really nice. And I go like, Oh God, nature photography. I love that. Look at my squirrel. It's amazing. I actually hate nature photography <laughs> I, really don't, I don't have the patience for that you know or uh, there's you know th different thing and then as you do it you realize what really fits you but even finding out what you want to do like you said takes the practice so it's only by doing nature photography that I will learn how much I don't like it Mm -hmm. <laughs> because if I never try I may think it's a wonderful thing the last thing in the world I want to be is a National Geographic photographer <laughs> well landscapes maybe but some things definitely not so the um, so and of course everybody's different but until you actually do it you're not really going to know we have an idea but we have that about all kinds of jobs we have an idea of what that job would be people think like oh the photographer or the you know a lawyer or you know whatever job we may think you know owning a restaurant running a pub you know we think oh that's we only see the surface of it we see the outside of it but it's not until you're actually doing it that you see all the bits that nobody sees and all the work that goes into it that nobody sees. And then you need to really like that too. And most of the times you don't. <laughs> and then you realize that, oh, I thought I wanted to run a pub, but actually it's terrible. You know? <laughs> and then you realize you really didn't want to do it. But, you you know, we we need to... You know, if I want to know what I want to do, I try first. I try it, and I try it, and I try it, and then I know if I really like it or I don't like it. It takes some deliberate planning to deliberate practice something to figure out. And that's the first step, I think. Yeah, I think we, we agree on this. Uh, coming from different directions, we kind of yes. converge on the, on the same thing. Uh, so... Practicing means uh, doing tasks, right? And we uh, have established that we you don't your task is not to become the National Geographic photographer or uh, uh, Ansel Adams or or anyone like that or um, James Clancy, right? Your your task should be something manageable, should be something relatively small that you can execute in the context of a, of a session, and on which you can get feedback. So it, it needs to be somewhat measurable. Um, and this is where it kind of gets a little difficult going from the definition of deliberate practice that you can find on textbooks to well, how, how do I actually go about doing it, right? Um, I like to give, I did some research on this, so I, I'd like to give a, a very operational definition of this that I found in a, in a talk by Kathy Sierra, 
who is a software developer and author. She talks about books about software development uh, and stuff like that, but still is, uh, is very applicable to what we are talking about. And uh, she says that every single task should be small enough that you can master it in one to three sessions. So should not be something that takes a month to learn. Should not be something that takes a year to learn, right? Should be something that can be mastered in three sessions. That was how long are three sessions? Can be three hours in three separate days or three full days. Depends on how much time you have to dedicate, but something reasonably manageable. Uh, it could be we're talking about photography. I'm trying to think of examples. Something like understanding the relationship between aperture and depth of field. Right? You set your camera down on a tripod and you put your subjects at different distances and then you shoot photos at different apertures and then you open the photos and you compare them. Right? It's not too difficult. And yeah. in three sessions, I believe anyone could master that so they don't have to learn it again after they have mastered it. So that, that's that's the kind of example that, uh, that I think is, uh, and I think that kind of operative definition can be useful for people. Sorry, another one that may be less, less uh, easy to, to see is, for instance, talking about photography, which is what I do. Um, it takes quite a long time to learn how to pose a person, mm. but you can learn how to pose a hand don't tell me I'm horrible at posing people. <laughs> I don't know where to start. That, that's my problem. I don't know where to start to pose somebody because I have to think of the whole person and then I have to think of the hands. And if you decompose that into different little parts yeah. of the body, it's probably working much better. Uh, so you don't start with the hand, but you can start with, you know, where to put their weight. And then you, you learn about how to stand them there or sit mm. them and where the legs should go in one bit at a time until you get one thing right one then there's always be something not quite there yet because you haven't got there yet but in the end you come to something like posing a hand you do three sessions and just posing hands you will be okay with hands from then on in the portraits that you take um you know the the way the chin should you know where yes and how no and once you've actually done a session or three just on that focusing on that you will have and of course you know we do that in the context of doing more than one thing together but there are things that we need to focus on even when the whole thing is actually more complex it's not just one thing, but we can break it down into parts and just work on that thing until we nail it. And then then that will not be an issue anymore. You know, not, then we'll have, it'll be part of us, then, then we can do it anywhere. But there needs to be deliberate work on that thing, not just randomly taking pictures, taking people, sticking them in front of your camera, and hope that somehow the poses will come along because you've watched a couple of YouTube videos and you put it all together and it never quite does. You need to start with cooking the rice and you in, can go with that. In the rice, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, there's, there's so much that we can uh, talk about, about deliberate practice and uh, one, another thing that, but I think we'll save that for uh, for the next episode. Um, how to do it incrementally, I think it's it's really important, right? You 
you learn to do a thing well and then you learn to do it better and now you go from good to better uh, that's uh, there's some tricks again there but i think with this episode we've covered quite a lot of ground we introduced this concept of deliberate practice and what it means uh, in general lines and how to decompose complex tasks into smaller ones that need to be you need to be able to master them in a relatively short time and you build on top uh, skills will build on top of other skills and so on so i think that's uh, that's already quite some uh, some great information that we that we share today do you agree yes i i like when we can actually give practical um practical things that someone can follow and start thinking about, you know, just start thinking about a different way of working maybe, because um, that's the whole thing. And then we, when, we, when we see things differently, then we do things differently. Einstein was the one who said that the definition of, um, of madness is to keep doing the same things, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. So keep working in the same way and we're stuck on things and we're not getting better and we're not moving forward and we're not, oh, just a tiny bit, but the effort is really great. Maybe it means that we need to start tackling things in a different way and seeing things in a different way. So I hope this is useful. And um, I'm going to talking about food. I'm going to go make some dinner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, I will see you next week. I'll see you all next week. And uh, don't forget to check out our website at closingthegap.live and send us our, your feedback, your questions, your critics. Yeah, and you put the, the links and the quotes and the things. We're going to start putting all of these things that we mention into the Closing the Gap uh, Facebook group yeah. so that uh, not not only the podcast is going to go around but then you're going to have a place where you can actually go and read you know that book the things we mentioned the links and the quotes and the things that we talk about so there's a place where it's all written there as well as in the website probably but you're doing that so you can count on me for that and see you next week have a good evening bye bye <laughs>